0: reading for this fourth Sunday of Advent from the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Um, This is not the right version. Do we have the good news version? No? Okay. Um, Okay. Can we go back then? Okay, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a young woman engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and her name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his word and pondered what sort of greeting this might be the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Unlike other Gospels, the Gospel of Luke opens with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, the elderly couple who have an extraordinary experience. telling them that they will have a child. A child who later grows to be John the baptizer. We learn that Elizabeth and Mary are kinfolk. We don't learn that the, is, there is a calculated relational equation that one must go through to get there, but they're kinfolk. And we also learn that in doubting the possibility of the impossible birth, Zechariah is punished by God. He loses his voice until he can finally believe the unbelievable. Now we turn to the unbelievable, the miraculous birth of Jesus, and note that today's story opens by telling us in the sixth month The sixth month of what? The sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And why do we care about that? This is Mary's story. We care about that because both stories are supposed to remind us of other stories we know about how God has worked in the life of God's people. Remember all summer we've spent talking about the Older Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and the story starts with Abraham and Sarah. two old fuddy-duddies who have no children whom god comes to and says i will make you a promise and you're not going to believe it a promise for the un- for the remarkable a promise for the unbelievable a promise for the impossible Sarah, you're 100 years old and your husband's even older. And my promise is that you are going to have so many ancestors, they're going to be like grains of sand, like stars in the sky. You're going to have a son. And that notion is so ridiculous to Sarah she laughs out loud what a farce can you imagine her just looking and going look at this old man you think he's gonna have no it's impossible Elizabeth and Zachariah the same way. Two old folks who have been barren their whole lives. And now she is in her sixth month. Hmm. And Gabriel comes to Mary. And says, Hail, favored one. And right away we know something's wrong. If we're paying attention, because Mary is not favored by anyone, she is poor and young. Betrothed to a man, and betrothal was a weird way that they went about being married. She had nothing. And yet the angel stands before her and calls her favored. In fact, she's called favored twice in this very short text. What is favorable about this woman? And beyond that, you know, the angel says what angels always say, Fear not, dear one, fear not. (laughs) Except why is he saying that to Mary? Because it doesn't say anywhere in this text that she's afraid. In fact, it says she's perplexed. She's curious. She wonders what's going on. Mary's not afraid. According to the words that are right here. And yet the angel says, fear not. I wonder about that. Is the angel doing what we do? You know how like when you've had your your worst day and somebody goes, hey, how you doing? And you go, I'm good. Like, that's what you're supposed to say? The angel comes up and he knows. He's supposed to say, fear not, because most people are terrified by the angel. Most people are terrified by the angel because they're so in awe of the greatness of the presence of God when they see an angel that it prompts terror. Let me tell you something. I think most of us are afraid for exactly the opposite reason. Think about the last time you were really afraid of something. You were in a dark alley. You were going to fail your whatever music performance thing that you were going to do. Your child was sick. Your spouse was sick. What makes you really afraid? The moments when we are really afraid aren't the ones where we go, Oh, God is right here. Boy, that's awesome. I maybe need to step away a little bit because God's so holy and amazing that it scares me. No, the moments when we're really afraid are the ones when we go, Where is God? Why isn't God right here when I need God? See, I think Mary was not afraid here because Mary knew that God was with her. She didn't have to be reminded of that. She knew it. And so it doesn't make any sense that the angel says to her, fear not. She wasn't afraid. And that... That kind of security, that kind of lack of fear, because God is not absent, but is present. That's where the peace comes from. But the peace she finds is not just serenity, it's a peace to say, move on and do something. You know God is with you. And then here we get to this, right? You're all about to roll your eyes at me and do this. Because here I am talking about Mary, one of the greatest saints there is. woman who says to to the angel, to God... Here I am, I'm your vessel, I'm your servant, use me. And you feel set up, don't you? Just a little. Like you're waiting for me to say, that's who you're supposed to be like. Be like Mary. The greatest saint of all time. That ain't fair. I hate that. Don't ask me to be like somebody who's so great. I can't even see it. So I've been reading about this. There's a, a theologian named Debbie Thomas who says that the danger of idolizing Mary and Mary's consent is that it distorts her Humanity. keeps her story at arm's length from us and from ours for better or for worse I can't relate to a person who leaps headlong into obedience I can relate however to the one who struggles to the one whose yes is cautious and ambivalent. I hope, as the poet says, that eternity did pass between Mary's calling and her consent. I hope an angel indeed waited compassionately for her answer, honoring all that was at stake in her freedom to accept or refuse him. In seeing Mary only as saintly and only as obedient, we've made her into something so far-fetched and so out of our own reach that we can't even relate to her. And that's exactly what's not intended by the character of Mary. There's a difference here we must acknowledge between Roman Catholic theology and Protestant theology. Roman Catholics exalt Mary. There's nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand. This is yet another thing where I'm trying to explain to you differences in theology. I'm not saying anything's good or bad or wrong or right. I'm just telling you the difference. For Catholics... The greeting, hail favored one, that Gabriel uses is meant to highlight Mary's extraordinary nature. Mary is going to be a remarkable woman because she's going to bear the Son of the Most High. Mary, unlike any other Christian, is sinless. She is both mother and perpetual virgin in Roman Catholic theology. But for we who are Protestants, Mary is exactly not that. Mary is extraordinary in her very ordinariness. Calvin, you know, the reformer John Calvin. But let me back up. Mary is extraordinary in her ordinariness, right? Mary is a member of the priesthood of all believers, just like we are, who emulates for all of us sinful embodied saints the mysterious reality that we are integrally Included in the work of God. Reformer John Calvin rejected the idea that Gabriel's identification of Mary as favored suggested that she was the one worthy of praise. No, Calvin said rather that Gabriel recognized Mary as favored, as blessed, as happy, because she had received undeserved love from God. God who alone was to be adored. Does it help us this day? I think it does to see Mary as extraordinary in her ordinariness. She was just a girl. Poor. As far as we know, without any great or remarkable traits. And yet, God still used her to bring about the greatest act in the history of the world. the one who would bear the Messiah, the one who would bear the one who is to carry all the sins of the world. was in some ways just like you and like me. A real, live, ordinary human being. answered God's call knowing that God was always present with her and that with God the impossible is always possible
1: thanks be to God Amen